So I watched 48 hours, basically no rockets towards the airport. And I was like, okay, now I feel comfortable. <laughs> Welcome to On Arrival, the Traveler's Podcast. We're your hosts, KT and Jordan. Throughout our 20s, we've lived and traveled all around the world and fell in love with exploring new cultures. Here at On Arrival, we interview some of the world's most eccentric travelers to hear their original and authentic stories. We hope this show inspires you to take your next trip. And that when you land, you have a game plan. On Arrival. Today, we talked to Stu Douglas, an American-Israeli professional basketball player. He has spent eight years in Israel, so we took this opportunity to talk as much as we could about life in Israel. We will hear about his favorite places to go, things you must do when visiting, and even get his take on the issues the country is facing today. This episode is both entertaining and insightful. Enjoy. You ready? Yes. All right. Today's guest is a good friend of mine. Once a co-captain of the University of Michigan's basketball team, he went on to have a long career as a professional basketball player in Spain with a long stretch in Israel. I would like to welcome today our resident expert on everything Israel, (laughs) (laughs) Stu Douglas. Thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So let's start off with our notorious first question. What is your most memorable travel experience? Ooh, that is tough. Well, maybe it was just what happened recently. I mean, just in terms of flying, I flew out of Israel while there was still turmoil. I flew before the ceasefire was agreed upon. Flights were getting pushed back, canceled left and right. I had to buy my own ticket to get out of there earlier. That was quite the experience. That is for sure. On On a better note, though, you know, I've traveled in a, a lot of different places. I played, fortunately, on a few teams that have played in international competitions. We played in the Balkan League, which was very interesting. And I can't really pin down one, but I think in general, it was like seeing the beauty of countries that you just don't really hear about. Like Montenegro, I can't remember what the city was. Yeah, the city I, bar where there's Mornar is at, Mornar Bar. Yes. I, I yes, just went to it. Montenegro yeah. too. And that was it. Ago. There was, yeah. there was a couple other ones, and nobody ever talks about it in America. It's like, where well, I was growing up in Indiana. It's like, you're going to go to Florida for vacation, and then that's it. So so it's cool. Right. <laughs> right. The beauty of different places, because we have a, a little bit of American yeah. sex- exceptionalism. So we view some like countries like, yeah. oh, Montenegro, there's nothing there. What do you mean? Like We never hear about it. And then you go there, and you're like, oh, okay, right. I can come back. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to say that. I, I probably wouldn't even have been able to point to Montenegro on a map at a certain point. I've been there now, so I can't tell you how many times. Yeah, I have a similar story. It's just like I remember being in school, like in middle school and learning that there was a country named Turkey, and I just thought that was hilarious, and I don't know why. Uh, and like then I end up living there for two years. I'm like, that's what I get. <laughs> yeah, for sure. When I first played in Slovenia, I, like, I remember my agent called and was like, yeah, hey, we got this team for you in Slovenia. And I was like, where's Slovenia? And it was bordering <laughs> Italy. And I spent a whole season in Italy. It's and I had no idea where it was at. So, That's funny. Uh, so my first international travel experience was with you, actually. And yeah. it was, with the exception of Canada, because living in Detroit, like you cross the bridge. Like, that like doesn't 45 really, minutes. Doesn't really count. Doesn't right. really count. My first international travel experience was with you. 
and Michigan basketball in 2010. I actually have the photo. Lisa sent it to me last week. And we went to Belgium and we visited Paris and Amsterdam. And I don't know if this was your first experience. So first of all, was it? And what do you remember? What Was it eye-opening for you? Like, talk about it. Yeah, it's... I, I had gone to Mexico before. I don't really count that. I was in a yeah. resort stuff. So I'm not really counting that one. So that is my first real international experience. And the, one of the first things that stuck out to me was paying for water in Paris and how yeah. expensive water was. I think even one place like water was more expensive than Coke. And I was like, what the hell is mm-hmm. going on right now? Like, well, I'm, I'm not paying for <laughs> and, and the And the amount of water that you get, like the small cups compared to like America. Serving sizes. I'm, I'm ready yeah. for that like big red Pizza Hut cup where it's like three cups of water in one. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like, I guess the difference, but one thing we did was like see the sites and then eat in different places. So like eating was like a big change for me. Yeah. That's for sure. But also the amount of walking, I think just like touring Paris, yeah. and Amsterdam for sure. And it's like Amsterdam, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like no cars allowed in like that whole big, the whole yeah. district that mm-hmm. we walked in. Uh, bikes and bikes. And so it's just a very different style of yeah. living. That's been an adjustment from year over year. But that, that first that first uh, travel experience yeah. with the Michigan team, it was definitely like opening up your eyes to saying like, okay, the, the rest of the world lives a little differently than we do in America. Yeah, for sure. I think one thing you mentioned is the walking is definitely something that you notice, especially I I can't speak for everywhere in the world, but like after living a lot in Europe, like European countries and people like tend to like walk and, you know, take public transportation and stuff a lot more than we do. I mean, especially in Detroit, we drive everywhere. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. Detroit's a motor city. So it's like, we're so (laughs) proud of the car industry and the big three. So it's like, we drive everywhere, like down yeah. the street. We drive. <laughs> so many people in Europe don't even have a car. Yeah, you know, Israel too. On like major, major roads, it's bikes. Now it's electrical bikes, so they're not even pedaling. But I mean, weaving in and out of cars on major roads, like I, yeah. it's the most defensive driving I've ever had to do. So, oh man, that that reminds me of Italy. My first year in Rome. Would you say the craziest drivers are in Italy? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's up there. After living in Turkey, too, it's kind of tough. It's just like a toss-up. Stu, where are the craziest drivers for you? Israel, easy. I mean, <laughs> I have a lot of stories with that. And I had a teammate this year who played in China. And he's like, yeah, Israel's like way crazier than China, which I thought was like, you know, <laughs> I heard China was a little crazy at times, but he said Israel was even, even worse. Wow. Yeah, I think that's really cute that you guys took your first international yeah. trip together. I just had to together, add that yeah. in there. <laughs> so after you graduated, you headed off to play overseas. Where did you go? I went to Pamplona, Spain, my first year. And that will always stick out because I get there and I get to my apartment. And they're like, okay, you have no Wi-Fi. We're going to get you Wi-Fi in like 24, 48 hours. So I'm sitting there in my in my little room with my Portuguese roommate that I have, who I'm not talking to right then because we still know each other and I'm an introvert. So I'm not talking to him. And I'm going to sit in my room. Like I start crying. <laughs> I start crying to myself. Like, what, what am I doing? Why, why am I here? I have like away from everyone I love. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. I have to read a book right now to pass my time. Like, this is not what I pictured, but eventually you get into the rhythm. Of pattern. <laughs> things calm down, but that was, that was definitely eye opening. Spain is very different from America. 
And especially where I was, it was it was a pretty low key city. You know, a lot of I lived around a lot of old people, so it was very relaxed. But Spain in general, with their siestas midday and like work holidays, like every other Slow, week, yeah. yeah. So like things are shut down. So it was a very different experience, very different adjustment for me. But it it it, it slowed me down, which was nice. Yeah, they live, they work, they, they work at it, and then live at a different pace. That's for sure. But oh, you, yeah. I'm sure you appreciated that after yeah. living there. Yeah, definitely from the college pace where it's like, all right, you got 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Yeah. And it's going to be absolutely controlled. Yeah. And just that that aspect. And then being able to go to Spain and you can't control like the hours that your grocery store is, is open. It's It definitely makes you slow down. I appreciate it a lot because I like to keep that mindset and be less frantic and more calm. So it was... It was it was good for me, but learning Spanish. I, it's funny because yeah. I, I took it in a college a little bit, and definitely in high school. And I'm so like I, I don't like to mess up. I don't like to like get things wrong. So I didn't I didn't put myself yeah. out there and learn it. And it was the same way I didn't learn stick shift. I I, yeah. you know, I didn't have an automatic car. I only had stick shift, and I didn't learn that until January because I was too afraid to like mess it up. And I wish I, you know, if I've gone back and if, if I was yeah. going there now, I would have put myself out there, learn you know, more Spanish, learn stick shift early, get out there and explore. But it was my first year. I was like too afraid to, I don't know, mess things up. And the difference between oh, the Spanish, yeah. like the yeah. this North American Spanish in particular, Mexico and like the C's are pronounced like with, as THs. So I'm like trying to like listen and I and I can't understand like some of the words anyways. And they're talking so fast that it, I just like got right. really yeah. discouraged. Uh, but eventually there was a couple of times where like I could understand what they were saying and they were like trying, they were like talking about me in front of me. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay, thanks guys. And it caught them a couple of times. So that was fun. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I remember being thrown into the stick shift when I got to France and being like, oh. what am I supposed to do with this? I asked. I asked multiple times for automatic. Did you learn? I did learn, and she even learned a little bit. Yeah, I tried. I mean, I think Jordan, like, he's really proactive, and he's like, "All right, let me." Like, he loves to learn, so he's like, "Let me get to it." Where I was more hesitant. Like, I know you went right to a parking lot and started like teaching yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was a little more reluctant. I did learn. I remember one time I was trying to go up a hill to get out of like the mall and I was getting so nervous because there was like vehicles behind me and they were beeping and stuff and Jordan <laughs> wouldn't let me like get out of the driver's seat I was like okay I'm done no, like, I was like you, you take this. over he's like no 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 you got it like keep trying and I'm like no I'm gonna like roll backwards into the car behind me Jordan gets out of the car you know like the six eight man and like tells all the cars behind us to like stop beeping like he's like stop She's trying to drive here, like, and you know, I was just, beeping. Yeah, that it is. was really, <laughs> it was really embarrassing, but we made it through. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah trial by fire, that is for sure. Oh my God, nothing, I mean, I just think about that, when you say trial by fire, when you're driving a stick shift in actual traffic, and like, you get the green light, and you're like, trying to go, and you're like, every second feels like an hour, you're like, dripping sweat, you're like. Oh shit! I'm gonna stall out. <laughs> it's so funny to think about like how important it is to play basketball with confidence, and then you get to a red light on a hill, 
and you're good driving up a hill and you're like, oh, oh crap, I, I, I need to figure this out. Like you actually need confidence to try. Yeah. To, or you're just yeah, yeah. That's funny. Okay. So you played one year in Spain. Yep. And after that, you headed off to play in Israel. Now, like me, you're a dual citizen. So talk me through that. How did that come about? So my agent, even before I went to Spain, he says, uh, Jewish guy. And he's like, you know, with your Jewish family heritage, like you can get Israeli citizenship. And I was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Zero idea how to go about yeah. this. And it was like June, July. I'd actually gone to a tryout in Florida for this Israeli team for Haifa. And I think they ended up offering me, but it was getting a little late to like do all the paperwork and figure all that stuff out. And I kind of wanted to go. I knew Spain second division would be a better place for me to go get my, my feet grounded and get back to like the offensive game that I wanted to play. So like, all right, I'll put that on hold. Maybe we'll, we'll do yeah. Israel the second year. Went to Spain, had a really good experience. But yeah, for that whole year, I knew pretty much that I was going to be in Israel for my second year. And thank God for, for Nancy Douglas. She did all the paperwork at home, verified our, our Jewish yeah. heritage and everything. I can see me. that. But I mean, it was like a week before I left. I was still filing or running around for paperwork. I had to drive up to Chicago for a day trip just for the to the Israeli embassy and get something stamped. So it was it was quite the process for sure. But luckily, I did not do that on my own. Yeah, I think for our listeners that don't know, like basketball, international basketball, tell everyone like why that's important that you were an Israeli citizen or you counted as an Israeli. Yeah, and Israel was uh, pretty special at the time when I when I started there because it's what they call the Russian rule, where you have to have typically in the leagues the Russian rule will be where you have to have at least one domestic player on the court at all times. Well, in Israel, when I started, it was two, so we were even more valuable. Now they've gotten rid of that, and it's a very contentious subject in the Israeli basketball league because. Americans actually go to Israel and you don't pay taxes. And now I cost like double whatever my salary and apartment and car are. So I think the mm-hmm. Russian rule will benefit the Israeli players, but that's a whole other different discussion. But to have that job security is crucial. And Jordan, you've, you've experienced that. You're like Europe has different rules. You can have a certain amount of passports and blah, blah, blah. It gets very complicated, I think, in yeah. like Spain and Italy and France and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. That, that job security is really nice and it's allowed me to play nine seasons overseas and so I'm, I'm very grateful for that yeah yeah it's valuable i haven't put my passport to use quite yet because in russia it's just a straight foreigner rule gotcha. but there are certain countries where it will benefit i mean for sure i have a slovenian passport so for sure like it would benefit for me to play in slovenia and count yeah. as slovenian but even in some other countries because i'm a european union citizen like I'm, I also counts as something separate than an American. So there's all these different rules and it's a country by country thing, but it helps. It helps. Everything helps. Yeah. Yeah. It's something so, you never fully figure out. You just have to like, yeah, play it by ear and see yeah. what happens every year. Money. But to your point too, it changes, right? Changes yeah. every year too. So it's always a, a changing landscape. So talk to me. So you, as you mentioned, you played nine seasons. So that's eight seasons total in Israel. Yeah. And that's a long time to live in another country. Yeah. Tell me about Israel. I mean, let's just talk about it. Tell me about the people, about the food, the land, the lifestyle, all these things. Yeah, it's an interesting place. When I first went there, I like was basically in the Indiana part, the farming part of, of Israel. I was up north, away from everything. It was not exciting life, to say the least. But Tel Aviv yeah. is 
hustling and bustling to say the least as well. Like it, it is very fun, but there, there's definitely like two parts of Israel that, that city life where people are crammed in and traffic is just a headache. And then there's the country life. There's a lot of beautiful sights to see. There's, I think it's basically, it's like the size of New Jersey, I think square mile wise, but 300 wineries are within Israel. Now, most of those are like boutique and like I've been wow. in some guy's basement trying his wines that he just makes at home. But <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a great way for me to explore Israel and see Israel and get to different parts that I never would have. So that's a lot of fun. There's obviously you have your religious destination sites. Those are very interesting and yeah. they hold those in high regard. I think my favorite spot was the Dead Sea for sure. It was just something that I never experienced yeah. Uh, ever before and will never again experience it's a very unique spot so it's there's just so many different things you can do which is which is nice yeah so eight seasons in israel you must have seen just about every bit of israel what's your favorite place if you had to like pick one other than the dead sea yeah other than the dead sea. there's a spot there's this brewery and this winery it's in this moshav which is just a neighborhood and it's 30 minutes from where I played in Naharia, which is in the north part of Israel. And it's about 30 minutes east. And it's kind of overlooking this valley. So it's like it looks almost mountainous. And people are driving their ATVs up, their dirt bikes, they're, they're picnicking, and they're playing Anderson Pack. And it's like a really cool kind of like hip young spot for my for my old self. And, but you go and it's one of my favorite yeah. wineries. Actually, it is my favorite winery there. And, a, and probably my favorite brewery, like right there in the same beautiful spot. You just go there, drink a beer, watch the sunset and just kind of relax. And, and especially on Shabbat yeah. Fridays where everything's shut down anyways. So it's a nice change of pace yeah. and you just kind of relax and take it all in and kind of yeah. be in the moment, which is hard to do nowadays with everything. Yeah. How's the food in Israel? Oh, I love I've it. heard mixed reviews. So I want your opinion. <laughs> what were the bad? Like, what did you hear that was bad? That's I'm interested in that. A lot of falafel. Too much falafel. Too much falafel. They're sick of falafel. You know what's funny is I don't think I've eaten falafel there in a couple of years, which is kind of sad. But the falafel there is, it's different. Like you try falafel in America and then you go there and you're like, well, I don't want to try falafel because it's, you get it here and it's like cold. It's been refrigerated and there they make it, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't make it until you order. It's fresh. Like even at the fast food spots, like it's completely fresh. So it's crispy. Yeah. It's warm. I love it. I, I think the falafel is delicious. But hummus, I mean, okay. I can't go wrong with hummus. All the Mediterranean food. Yeah, that was a positive we heard was the hummus. Yeah. I mean, you literally, I, my, 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 I, they told me, like, oh, we're going to go to this hummus spot. I think it was my first year. I'm like, okay, like, well, what's there? Like, hummus. I'm like, okay, but, like, what do you eat it with? Like, uh, pita bread? <laughs> and you get it, and it's just... You're just, it's soup. You just get hummus in a bowl. I'm like, I'm just eating it with a spoon. And I'm like, this is bizarre. Like, I just, first experience, like, all the women in my life were eating hummus with, you know, dipping carrots. Excited over there. I'm like, now I'm eating it with a spoon, but it's delicious. And I can go <laughs> back there all the time. So I love all that stuff. The shawarma is my favorite, though. The, I don't know if you got, it's similar to, uh, I love Bob, some I think, in Turkey, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love some shawarma. I mean, yeah. I only had it here in America, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I can imagine it's even better. Oh yeah, it's just, yeah, it is. It's perfect. I can eat it every night. I have to resist. So for people that are considering visiting Israel, what, like, what, what must they do? You mentioned first of all, you mentioned like 
the the two different sides of Israel, the country and the city. Yeah. So if I'm going to go to Israel, like what am I? What are you telling me to do? What what, what must I do? You must you must go to Tel Aviv. You don't have to do exactly a late night, but you got to go to Tel Aviv, and you really can't go wrong nowadays. I mean, nowadays with our smartphones, you can look up great restaurants at your fingertips and walk just about anywhere. There's great spots along the coast, along, along the beach. There's some more inwards towards the city. But I, I would say Tel Aviv, for sure, you have the, the market in Jerusalem. You have all the holy sites in Jerusalem as well, if that's for you. There's a yeah. you know, Closer to Jerusalem, there's the Dead Sea and Mount Sinai, or I think is what they call it, or Masada. Now I'm getting, now I'm confusing all these names. But that's a cool spot. But up north, I would say that the hidden gem is, is a lot of the stuff up north. There's a lot of great wineries. Okay. distilleries waterfalls up north there's there's mountainous areas wow. up north with snow even so there's just yeah i would say definitely the city like tel aviv is for sure the spot but try and get somewhere in the country yeah there, there's so many different options but man I, I do love tel aviv living in tel aviv was was absolutely my favorite that that's yeah that, that was like second to none now, now being inside Driving in Tel Aviv, that's a, that's a different story. So if you want to go there, be sure you're ready to walk <laughs> or find some scooters. That, so that, that's the one suggestion I can give. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of – you had teammates that played in Tel Aviv and they like they yeah, were like well, raving about yeah, it. Yeah. Anybody that's played in Israel raves about Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, now the thing with the American guys <laughs> that play in Tel Aviv is they all go to the same night spot. So like the club, they all yeah. go and there's like – Literally, there's too. just one club, and it is you, – you walk in, and it's just booths all on the outside wall. And, I mean, it's like the 12 teams represented. It's like the Olympics. Right. Everyone's, everyone's walking right. in. Right. <laughs> like, I, I went one time. I walked out. My, my ears were ringing for a good 24 hours. And I was like, all right, I got that experience. I'm that. But if you want the nightlife, yeah. it's there. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. If you want the nightlife, it's there. You got your day – the, I love the markets there. There's a, there's a cool Carmel market is one that I would highly highly suggest, and that's close to the beach. So that, that that's probably one of my favorite spots. Sounds nice. Yeah. For us, especially recently, we see a lot in the media about the divide between Israelis and Palestinians. From the outside looking in, it's hard to understand. <laughs> We've been watching yeah. the news and we're like. Hmm, this is puzzling. But from your experience, can you give us a crash course on navigating the issue? Yeah. Oh, wow. Crash course. Yeah, that right. sounded like a pageant question, like a current event pageant. Question. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you view Israel as like, oh, they live together in the same country, but it's it's very, very separate. And I think even in the cities where there's mixed Jews and, and Muslims that live in the same town or city. They still have very different lives and very different experiences within Israel. And it's hard to, it's even hard to talk to my Israeli teammates about the subject because sometimes you almost get too, too immersed in something and you can't see like mm-hmm. an outside perspective. You're just seeing yourself in that situation. So it's been funny yeah. to navigate. The one thing that I, I have tried not to do is to get in too many conversations uh, with my Israeli teammates about it and just kind of get my information from more outside perspective while listening to what my teammates are saying, because they're obviously always talking about it. It's, it's been a, you know, a hot button subject for sure for the last couple of weeks. So it's been interesting mm-hmm. to kind of just be a fly on the wall 
and hear how they think about it. But Israelis are, are if nothing but patriotic. And you have your mandatory mm-hmm. army duty and you're, you're told from the time you, you can listen that you are representing the country and that you're there to protect the country and protect the Jewish people. So it's hard for them to see anything outside of that, even when you have the blockades and, and people in Gaza and in the West Bank and, and the difficult things that Israel puts the Palestinian people through. So navigating mm-hmm. it has been, I've been very touchy with it. I remember I said something in the group chat a few weeks ago. It's like and a minefield. I didn't like it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to drop the subject now. <laughs> So it's 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 not yeah. an easy thing right. to to talk about, and and both sides are coming at it from such from from such far distances. Let's put it that way, such a far distance. So it's it's hard to kind of bridge that yeah. gap and have a yeah. have a conversation. You know, everyone wants to say, well, you know, why can't we just have a uh, balanced, you know, fair conversation about it? And you're starting from two different spots. You're, you're not even close to having a, a balanced conversation. So yeah, that that's about, yeah. I could go on about it, but that's, that's kind of my crash course, I guess, on how to navigate it. Yeah. I would say I can feel you in some senses because when you live in another country and among like different people, like there's a lot that there's a lot of history and context to that culture that you can't fully understand. And so like a lot of times in the past, depending on where I've played at, like there are things that I won't talk about or bring up or you just listen because you know that you can't really, you can't really like, number one, like you said, it's personal to a lot of people mm-hmm. and yeah. you might not mean anything offensive, but sometimes you necessarily can't talk about things without people getting offended. And then also it's like you just, there's so much you don't know and can't understand. And so you sometimes you kind of just watch and listen because it, it is just too complicated. It's just too complicated. Yeah, no, definitely. I think one example of that was my teammate, he was hard to talk to about the situation as a whole because his brother was in the army and sent down to Gaza and around there, mm-hmm. so he was very worried. And I can't, I don't know what that feels like. I have zero experience yeah. in what that feels like. I'm not going to battle him on that, on that. Like, there's nothing for me to battle besides give him empathy right. for that. That's a tough situation. But it's like, I, I want to have a conversation with him about something that would be outside of his worries about his brother. But you can't because everyone's worried about their families and their safety. It's, it's, it's consuming. Yeah. yeah. When you tell people like that, that they're... Yeah wrong even if that's in quotes like not necessarily wrong but like maybe seeing the other side they're like well they're worried about their family and their safety and their security and especially uh, with the history of mm-hmm. the country and everything after world war ii and it, it's it's just extremely yeah. difficult and it's something that I don't, I don't know i don't know how they're gonna figure it out but yeah these conversations mm-hmm. need to be happening because this has been going on for a while and Criticism yeah. is healthy. Sometimes it takes uncomfortable conversation to move things forward, you know? So you got to get more comfortable with those uncomfortable conversations. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so you you touched on this in the beginning. I kind of want to revisit it. But you recently, like, flew 
out of Israel back yeah. to the United States. Yeah, casually, you just mentioned that. <laughs> During, before the ceasefire, which is pretty incredible. And yeah. as you're telling that story, I'm trying to imagine trying to convince KT to get on a plane. No, when I would not get on rockets. the airplane. No, no, no. We <laughs> went through so much anxiety leaving Turkey as the pandemic hit. And I'm just trying to imagine that like times a thousand as you're taking off and you see rockets flying. Like, there's no way I'm getting yeah. on that That's plane. probably a little dramatic. No, but... they were sh- shooting rockets still. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's so, not dramatic. So that, that's where my experience with Israel comes in, in hand, very handy. Like, everyone, rightfully so, has got way more news coverage than the past few years when there's rockets. But this year, I was way up north. Like, I, I wasn't even close to anything. I didn't hear a single siren the entire time I was there. And last year, I was in Ashdod, which I I think it's like 20 miles from Gaza. And there was like two days where they had a, a lot of rocket barrages towards Ashdod and some cities. It was like May 19th and 20th or something like that. And every hour, basically, I was hearing a siren going into my safe room and then coming back out to my couch in the living room. Oh siren my goes gosh. back, you know, even while we were sleeping. So last year, that was happening to me way more. Oh and, you know, I had way less people concerned about me. <laughs> the disconnect there about what's really going on. But to get back to the point of flying, I was following it every 10 minutes I was checking statuses so I had a buddy tell me actually Zach Novak asked me like am I seeing like what I'm following on the news here like is that correct I'm saying like well I don't know I'm not watching CNN or Fox or anything because I'm that's just like reporting what many hours after the fact and this is a minute by minute news story and a news something you have to follow so I'm on Twitter following like all the rocket maps all the reports every little piece of inside information i can get like every 10 minutes literally checking my phone so i'm i watched the rockets it was very different this year i can get into that but basically for about 48 hours no rockets had gone close to the airport and they tried to hit the airport at the beginning and i saw that basically it follows the same pattern every year they they have a bunch of rockets they send them off but it kind of peters out and they they don't have as much ammunition so I watched four, eight hours, basically no rockets towards the airport. And I was like, okay, now I feel comfortable. <laughs> My family wasn't as comfortable with that, but I was like, I, I'm fine now. Like, even though rockets were still going off into southern uh, cities in southern Israel, I knew that I was going to be Mostly okay, so I, I was I was fine with it then. But it, yeah, my my family <laughs> and my girlfriend were were not the most pleased. I think she, her heart is really like, <laughs> no. Like I wish everyone could see right my now. face right now. Like I thought, I don't know why I thought that was dramatic. What you said about like the rockets, but I'm I'm shook, as the young people would say. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, the fact that it's just kind of like crazy. The fact that you. Like part of your life is like knowing the pattern of the rock is getting shot off. Like yeah. just sitting here thinking, like having to think about something like it that. It becomes is, a new normal. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. The Americans in the first division, they actually tried to get together and want to, you know, try to petition the league to cancel the league. And which I understand they're, they're worried about their safety. And I completely understand that a lot of, a lot of teams are around there. But the Israelis are looking at these guys like it's going to be over soon like you're just gonna wait we're not gonna cancel the league and all this money because you know you're scared of these things that we live through every single year and i I remember specifically one year there was really bad conflicts during the summer and my mom was like i don't know if i'm comfortable with you going back to israel so i talked to my agent and my agent was like i don't know we live this every year like i don't know what to tell you like we're here we live here Mm -hmm. and we're doing okay so once you get 
crazy enough, get used to it, you get a little more comfortable with it. I remember that. I remember having that conversation about going to Turkey and they were like having a re-election and protests and everything. And I'm like, I was like asking my agent, like, I mean, am I going to be able to go? He's like, ah, don't worry about it. This is, this is normal. Turkey would seem a little scarier yeah. to me after I, after I saw what happened to Ennis Cantor and like sort of the power that Erdogan has, the ability to just kind of like probably just snatch people up. That, that I think would honestly scare me yeah. more than, than rockets. I know like your mom was pretty nervous when we were going to Turkey, like, and we ended up loving Turkey. I don't know what it is. We kind of staying out of politics. That's what it is. Yeah, like, we don't talk about don't it. We try to on those, on those matters. <laughs> Jordan always says like I don't have an opinion. It's just you try to stay clear. But I'm wondering, did you have a moment where you were considering like staying in Israel and like waiting, waiting it out, or were you like, no, I want to go home? Yeah, definitely. I think we lost on uh, Friday. Our season was done. My plane ticket wasn't until the following Thursday, but like Monday, Tuesday, my mom and my dad were passionately trying to get me a ticket to to leave there. And Mm -hmm. again, like I knew where I was, was completely safe and I was going to be fine. And that honestly, the best thing was to wait it out a few days. The the reason why I did eventually try and speed it up is because of all the flights being canceled and delayed. And I was worried about getting out from that standpoint. But yeah, there was yeah. a point where I was like, all right, it's 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 safer to wait there. Sit in my apartment up north in Kiryatata in the middle of nowhere, basically, and just kind of wait it out. So I did that. I kind of yeah. I kind of split yeah. the middle there between those two. Yeah. Yeah, it was waiting it out was definitely the option. Those flights being canceled, man. When we That was like in Turkey when yeah. COVID hit. Escaping COVID. We got the last flight from Turkey to the America. last flight out of the country, which was <laughs> it was really crazy. But we did we contemplated staying and waiting it out and because there wasn't as many COVID cases as there was in America at that point. So we were like, Hey, it's safer here. Like maybe we should just hang out and yeah. then well not only that, but it was at that point that Americans were buying toilet paper like there was no more left. Right. And we and, had toilet paper readily available. In everything Turkey. was readily available. Like, <laughs> people were so calm in Turkey. They, they were just like chill. And America was like chaos. And we were like, are we doing the wrong thing by going back? Yeah. We ended up getting a flight, but we had a panic attack pretty much because the night before, like 1130 p.m., the president got on TV and said, we're canceling all international flights. And our flight was the next day. And it ended up taking an effect at 5 p.m. And our flight was at 330 Mm-hmm. We were the last flight out of the Istanbul airport, which is the biggest airport in the world, I believe, or one yeah. of the biggest. So it that was- trip was pretty eerie too, going through that the biggest airport in the world, and it was empty. Like that was that was pretty eerie. Yeah, and the flight got delayed. The weird oh, part yeah, was I, like, I yeah, it's huge, and like the flight got delayed. It was supposed yeah. to take off at three thirty or something, and the order was supposed to be in place at like five p.m. And then they're like, "Oh, you have an hour delay." Yeah, and we're like, "Okay, now that's like four thirty. Like the order takes place at five, and we ended up taking off like a little after that." But it was crazy. When that delay hit, I thought we were going to be stuck in Turkey for sure, for sure. Yeah, that would have been that would have been brutal. I, I I stayed in Israel for the pandemic. Which wasn't bad from a COVID standpoint, but definitely very lonely. So yeah, you guys got pretty lucky. Yeah. 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 So after eight seasons, do you imagine yourself going back to visit Israel in the future? I think so. I never, this is a knock on my family a little bit. I never had family or friends really visit 
to Man. one day to one day family and friends <laughs> what i said family and friends like we we have we, the, same the same issue yeah, yeah and right? we've like, lived in rome and paris and I mean, yeah. everywhere that's so beautiful, Turkey, Russia, I mean, all the places, and it's hard to get people out. You feel yeah, the same. I mean, Israel's yeah. a beautiful place. Yeah, you think you're loved until you ask them to travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got this. They're I like, that's it. really far. It's really yeah. expensive. You're like, oh, no, you can stay at my place, you know? And they're like, yeah, but, you Can't know, time, time off, off work. Yeah. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, I don't fault them too much, but it would have been nice <laughs> to go back. Would be nice and show them everything. And but we'll see. We'll see what happens with Israel. Visit those wineries. Exactly. Exactly. I brought. I brought some of the wine home. That that is. Take me. I, I want to go. So we'll make a winery trip. If, yeah, we if, can do a couple's getaway. Oh, that'd be fun. I mean, we can do that for a week. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not joking. A winery trip. I would love that. Wine drunk for a week straight, please. Oh. Yeah, I mean that's literally like an ideal vacation for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll make it happen. So we appreciate you coming on today, man. Thank you for sharing yeah. on what's a sensitive topic, but also for sharing about Israel, which we heard from you today. But I've also heard from a lot of people in the past. It's a really beautiful place. It's some place that I haven't and we haven't been able to go yet, and. So thanks for sharing those stories and that, that, that information. Where can people find you? I know that you have your own podcast. Tell yeah. us, tell, tell everyone where to find you. Yeah. Twitter, I'm SWD underscore 317 podcast. I'm doing with uh, Field of 68 Network. It's called Go Blue with Stu. And I'm taking a little hiatus right now. My, my Wi-Fi in my Israeli apartment was a little spotty. So I'm taking yeah. a little hiatus, but we're going to get back into the swing of things and all Michigan basketball. Talk to alum. Jordan, you've been on that. People can check that episode out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun and exciting and hopefully you can get more guys more guys on there. So yeah, it's, that's on Twitter. Yeah, you've had, you've had a great group of guys so far Yeah, on the on the podcast. Yeah, so, yeah everyone so, take a listen. Yeah, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes for sure. Love that. But again, thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Stu. Man. Yeah, that thanks was for having fun. me. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Of course, man. We're glad you're okay and you're yeah. safe in your home. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah. I, I've never been more excited to be home and do nothing. So, Thanks for listening to another episode of On Arrival. We've had so much fun recording these episodes and sharing them with you every week. If you like this episode, share it with somebody. And don't forget to subscribe to our show, On Arrival Podcast, on all podcast platforms. We would really appreciate it if you would write us a positive review wherever you choose to listen. And look for us on social media at On Arrival Travel on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you're looking for more episodes, you can always head over to onarrival.com.